I remember, uh, I'm originally from Africa, so if you can't tell my accent, I am exactly from Uganda. I was born and raised there. And so I remember, uh, I mean, growing up, and we didn't have snow, so I'm going to use mud, okay? Because uh, it, it's pretty close. So I remember my dad would be walking up this hill, and I was so little, and he said, if you, if you don't want to slide, just step where I step. And I remember uh, just thinking I could be a little bit smarter and maybe try to go faster up the hill. And, uh, but he seemed to t his single stride would, would be four of mine. And so every, I tried to follow his footsteps, but every time I put my foot in his footsteps, it, it was like I, I was just falling through just as, as bad and was bigger than mine. So I kept saying to improvise, I would put my two feet in his one big step, then I would have trouble getting to the next one because the distance was getting bigger. So that's where the idea of me trying to run up the a muddy hill came from. And uh, uh, long story short, I didn't make it up the hill. And so he had to come back down because I was, I was sinking in the mud. And then he said, you know what? If you had stuck to staying where I was stepping, I was going to keep making the ground harder. So every time you step, you can stay above the ground. Today I'm talking about living in the blessing. I feel like God was took me back to that moment to show me that we are all walking in the mud footprints of Jesus Christ. And sometimes the, those footprints look so wide. And, and when, we, when we put one foot of ours on the, in it, we're like, this is not possible. By the time I catch up with God, he's going to be so far away. And then we try to improvise. God, I want to I wanna get a little faster at this thing. And then you realize that the faster you get, you're actually digging a deeper hole. And I'm, I may be talking to just one person or two, but that's what I want to talk about today. Living in the blessing. How can I be patient where I am? Accept where I am? Because the father is always willing to slow down and say, where are you? My dad came back to pick me up. I can't imagine how much God would do for every single one of us if we stayed patient and faithful and not try to get to the mountaintop really fast. And so if you don't mind, turn your Bibles to Psalms 1, and we're going to read Psalm 1, verses 1. This is one of my favorite, I mean, some, I could say each, each Psalm is my favorite, but this one is my favorite. And so, because <laughs> it's the very first word it says, if you don't mind, let's read it together. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor seats in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the, by the river of waters that brings forth its fruit in, in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which, is, which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of, of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. 
I'm so honored to be a part of Res Life. This is, this is, I've seen a lot of, a lot of pastor fathers in this house. I mean, they don't speak much. You probably don't even see them, but they're all around us, guiding us, cheering us. I mean, they cheer us on indirectly. That's why in an evening service like this, you see a young boy here talking about the blessing. <laughs> you may think, wow. Um, but it's because of that. Uh, before I came up here, Pastor Dwayne laid his hands on me, and I'm like, this is what I'm going to talk about today. And if you missed this morning service, I would encourage you to go listen. I think I'm going to be talking a lot from it as well, because I found out this morning we were sharing notes with Pastor Dwayne, so you may hear the second version of this. In that to say, when someone was being written, I can't imagine... David is having a moment. He's read the entire Pentateuch. He's read the law. And here's his meditation of understanding of the word of God. He is his understanding that of, of what a blessed man should not do. And I'm going to come from, what, from the angle of what should a blessed man do. So I'm going to first define what the blessing truly is. You know, and I think, I truly believe Genesis 1 says, and God blessed man to have dominion, to rule and reign over. And so God's primary way of meeting our need is through the blessing. God speaks, and his word, we have a saying back home that, Instead of sending a contract, if I give you my word, it's as good as a signature. I know that doesn't work in America. <laughs> yeah. But in those days, God's word is as good as saying, I have signed this, it's sealed, and delivered. So in other words, the blessing of the Lord is God's covenant between you and him. It's God saying that when he sent Jesus, it was the final seal, it was the final uh, the final statement that he was ever going to make that you are his, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are. Your children in God's sight are like your brothers and sisters. They have the same inheritance, Christ. So when it comes to a blessed man, and I'm going to say this, is maybe part of the foundation of who we truly are when we're seeking miracles, we're really seeking the blessing. Because the footprint is so big that we begin to seek the fruit of the blessing. Because if the word of God says, by his stripes you are healed, and you start seeking healing, it means you're seeking the product of what the word of God is. And when that becomes your declaration, you're saying, I'm agreeing with whatever the Father is saying. I'm going to camp on his word. I'm going to camp on his covenant. And whatever he says that I am, I believe that I am. In other words, miracles demand a crisis. But the blessing is a covenant. All of Christian life is planted and rooted on this idea that there's a, there's, there's a son of God who came into the world. And as we did last week, he died and resurrected and he said it was finished. 
In him we have redemption. In him we are healed. In him we have provision. In him we have life and life more abundantly. In him we have breakthroughs. In him we live and we consist. In other words, if I dwell on that moment well enough, I can understand what David is saying, that a blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or sit in the seat of of the sinners or stand with the scoffers because what he's meaning is there is a difference between what that person believes, what he speaks, and how he behaves. I could be going through a sickness, but because I'm a, I'm a child of the covenant, there's something I do believe about what's happening in my body. There's something I do believe that's coming out of my body, and there's something I believe God wants to do deep within me. The blessing of the Lord is, is a spoken word articulated by grace through faith and works by faith. As far as I know, you can't touch the blessing. You touch the blessing when you touch the Word of God. You access the blessing when you touch the Word of God. You access that blessing when you reach out to the arms of God and understand, God, I don't have anything left to do. But all I do know how to do is to stand in this place in awe of who you are, in awe of your presence. In Psalm 89, 34, it says, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that he has given out of his lips. Proverbs would put it this way, that wisdom is a principal thing, but in all you're getting, get understanding. There is something in the word of God for every single one of us in this room, and we can only access it when we understand the blessing, and that blessing only comes by when we understand the covenant that God made with us. That his word, once he has spoken it, the Bible says he watches over it to perform it. Now you may be saying, David, I'm going through some difficult things today. My family, my household, my job, my health. How do I know that God is working? How do I know that I'm a child of God and I'm blessed Here's something else I want to say. The blessing of the Lord is not proportional to your goodness. It's founded upon the righteousness of God. And that's why Paul says that you and I have become the righteousness of God. In other words, I could could sit and dwell on my life being a sinless life, or I could sit and dwell upon the righteousness of God. Until that word becomes my word and puts root on the inside of me. And then I begin to walk in the fruit of the seed that I've sown. In other words, that's how miracles happen. That's how lives get transformed. I begin to meditate. I begin to build my life upon. I'll I'll put it this way as well. There is very few seeds that can survive for a longer period of time outside the ground. If you get a mango seed, a mango tree seed, the potential of that seed being a mango is already in the seed. But if you put the mango seed on this table, the mango tree will not grow out of it. It has to be put into the ground. In other words, God has wired a certain potential in this earth 
that when his word, when his seed falls into the ground and it dies, something happens between the seed and the ground that the ground makes the seed do what it's supposed to do. So if, if what I'm dwelling upon and meditating upon is the word of God and the word of God is sown into me, what is supposed to happen first is the root has to grow deep. In other words, when the root has grown and, and has become to the satisfaction of the potential in the seed, that means now it's time for the other things to start coming out of the seed. The shoot comes out. After that moment, you begin to see fruit. But how many, how many times have you seen when that or understood it that the seed doesn't stop the weather. That's what I think I love about America, because I get to see things change. In Africa, we don't get to. We just get either a cyclone or a storm. But here, the amazing part is you get to winter, and every leaf, every branch, everything dries up. It's like there's no life in that tree. It's over And yet the greatest purpose, the greatest reason, the greatest potential of the manifestation of that tree, you don't even see. And the roots are getting deeper and super saturated that when spring comes, you begin to see, wow, spring colors, it's gold, it's all this kind of stuff. I love that. To me, it brings that life back that there should be moments when you think, Oh, God, I'm not blessed. When I talk about the blessing, I'm not talking about, man, I have a, a, a golf stream for, I have four houses, I live in Florida or maybe uh, L.A. in Hollywood. Because if that was the definition of the blessing, there shouldn't be church. We should all be trying to get to Hollywood. <laughs> you want to leave the dream? But the fact that that's not the definition of the blessing, then the blessing has its own, its own authority, its own law, and its own class. In other words, I could be in Africa in a village and feel so blessed. Before I knew anything about the Western world, I was, I mean, I'm still happy. I was happy. Nothing changed about me. I was eating, drinking, sleeping, going to school. <laughs> and doing everything a teenager does. I felt so blessed. And I had a dad who was teaching us what blessing really meant. And it was such an honor when I got here and I realized, oh God, there is another dimension. There are some fruits that because I could not think it, because I could not see it, because I had not read it, because I had not understood it. When I got here, I'm like, this is possible by man? I was in awe of God. If there's a man who can think of a building that's hundred and something stories high and build it with their hands, no wonder God says, I can't dwell in a temple built by human hands. Because the... The human being will be like, oh, man, look what I did for God. God should live in my house. What am I talking about? It, the blessing of the Lord is not proportional, 
But let me tell you what it is. Deuteronomy 30, verses 19. It says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you both and your descendants might may live. It seems like what God is saying, the blessing, he has given me the authority to speak. And whatever I speak best on his word is his authority being executed in my world, in my family, in my business, in whatever I do. And guess what the greatest weapon of the enemy is? He's not after you. He's after what you're going to speak. If the enemy can get you to speak anything contrary to your covenant... He's got you in a place where he needs you to be. That's why the enemy was, the devil was quick to tempt Jesus with the word. He was trying to get Jesus to mention or sow a seed of any of those that would disqualify him from the purpose that he came for. In other words, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not be deceived. I mean, Satan's warfare is to get you to defeat yourself because he can't stop the blessing. Genesis 11 explains this very well. In Genesis, I, I like to divide Genesis into like the period of grace where people say, you know, God couldn't relate with man because of sin. But I see right out of the Garden of Eden, Adam has sinned, Eve is out of the garden, everything is out, and God is fellowshipping with Adam outside the Garden of Eden. I see Cain kill his brother, and he's having a conversation with God. I see things happening of, to a fallen man, but he's still having fellowship with God. You see, the principles are not what changed. It's what man, it's what the devil sowed in man's heart that changed his heart. But the heart of the Father towards you and I never changed. And that's why it's very interesting that the enemy doesn't have anything he can do but use the words and put them upside down, change what they are into something that is so outward. In other words, the blessing speaks most importantly to the mountain within us. You know how Mark 11, says, speak to the mountain and it shall move. I truly believe that's not just the mountain that's outside. It's easy to tell your problem, oh, uh, you sickness, go away. It's easy for some to, to even say, I went to work and I prayed with my boss. What a blessing. But it's so difficult for us to look within and see those mountains those hurts, daddy hurt me, mommy hurt me, my aunt hurt me, I have unforgiveness, I have some things on the inside of me. In other words, those mountains don't move, those we cover up. And I strongly believe those are the bedrocks where the enemy is like, I can sleep my seed through here. And we begin to wonder, well, why are things around me changing and yet my heart is not? In other words, I have to go deep within and apply this same word that moves mountains physically to start dissolving mountains that are in my heart. How do I do that? I begin to fill my heart with the word of God. 
I begin to meditate on it day and night. I'll keep going. It's like uh, you can have everything the word says you can have by speaking the word of God. It has already been settled. It has already been sealed. It's God's covenant. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God. God's workmanship. You have been recreated. So you're no longer even the person who was like Adam. Now you're recreated in Christ. And then in Philippians 4, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is Paul sitting in a cell where he says, I'm content. And yet he lacks everything that's normal to life. He lacks everything that anybody would be enjoying. And he's sitting there, he's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The blessing of the Lord can't be reversed or stopped by the devil. You are the only one who can stop it. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the, fa- the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In other words, you were created by a covenant before you had flesh and blood. God knew you. God had you in his mind. It's like, I'll put it this way. If If GM made a car and they put it on the road and you went to start it and then it didn't work, what would you do first? Wouldn't you be so concerned that they built a car and they sold it to you and it didn't work? They built a car and you you put it on the highway and the tires fell off. They built a car, and the first moment you drove it, the engine crashed. Now, if GM cannot make a car that will crash on the first drive, how about God creating you? Do you think he had in mind what the roads were going to look like in your life? Do you think he had a plan in mind that he said, you know what, I'm going to create you, but you're going to be struggle-proof? Not that struggles won't come, but I'm going to put my word on the inside of you that when they come, you know how to face every single one of them because you're not trying to get the blessing of God. You're living from the blessing into your arenas of life. I'm a son of a pastor too, and I saw my dad get sick a couple of times. But one thing I never always used to understand that I understand now is his conversation with the doctors always went as, so what do you think is going on? Say, so, you know what, Pastor? I think we need to do this, 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 and this, and the other. He said, can you do this at my house? Like, I don't want to be in the hospital. I remember one time the doctor was like, that's against the law. <laughs> and my dad was like, I know it is, but the law that I'm, I'm, I, I'm about This environment is not going to help me overcome the way I can overcome when I'm in the place where I'm comfortable doing what I do best. He said, will you let me be in my room and pray out loud? The doctor said, no. Will you let me play my Bible loud? The doctor said, no. Will you let me walk the hallways? 
praying at night in tongues? The doctor said, no. He said, then how can we agree? And the doctor said, you know what, Pastor Dixon? Let's see what we can work out. Please don't put this online. (laughs) It is online. So long story short, (laughs) the doctor came to the house, brought the IV, brought everything into his room. And I remember that night, my dad had malaria. He has his IV in as he's walking. I was like, whoa, this is nice. And he's pulling his little thing. And I'm like, no wonder they can't keep him in the hospital. It only took one night. And the next morning he was up speaking at a conference. I can tell you there are some things that unless you're fully comfortable and fully firm on that root has taken deep, Paul says, not even death can scare you. Paul is in prison in the book of Philippians where he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because one thing that I have learned is, I've seen all these things, I know I've shared this miracle before. I remember being at a crusade, uh, my dad, they had announced on the radio that there's a child who died in the village. And so they announced on the radio, and this is how they do it back home because they... Uh, it's, it's a little crazy. I like it, though. And so they went on the radio. They said, we're coming to your village, and if there's any condition that you don't think God can change, bring it to the crusade ground. He said, even if somebody has died, bring him to the crusade ground. And so there was this woman who had the commercial, and she was a wife to a Muslim, a Muslim man. And so what he did, Muslims bury by five in the evening of the same day. And she had that on the radio. Her and her husband couldn't agree on what to, to do, so her husband goes to make preparations for the funeral in the evening. And what the woman does is she says, you know what, I'm going to go check out that crusade. So she gets the body of her baby, and she's heading to the crusade ground. The husband comes back home, and the woman and the body are not at home. The first thing that he's thinking is she's gone to that crazy crusade for those believers, those Christians. So he goes to the police. Remember, he's Muslim now. He goes to the police. The police agrees with him. And he comes with a bunch of Muslims with machetes. A civil war is about to break out on the crusade ground. As... Uh, as my dad and the ministry team is standing on this side, by the way, there was about maybe two, 400 people because the village was small, but the crowd that was coming was almost double the number of the people with machetes and their white robes and everything. I don't know how the rest of the story came together, but when they were in vision distance, the little boy was standing on the podium besides my dad testifying. And you could see, this is to God be the glory, you could see the machetes that were up here being swung, dropping. You would see the cops. I mean, it was like a moment that God was told fine that there's something between me and my people that no matter what happens, if they're confident in my word, if they understand my word, I can suspend the laws. Of nature. That's what we call a miracle. 
In other words, the blessing created a world for us as believers that for some people they would say, you're in a bubble. And the world would say, let me pop your bubble. And sometimes we fall for this. Because now when the doctor says you're going to die in two weeks, you're like, I better work on my retirement. I better begin to check on my wheel. I better begin to check on everything. Why? Because that seed has been sown in, deep in your heart. And I can say this because I don't have even scientifical any reference about this really. But I truly believe that bad seed grows faster. It's like the root just like all of a sudden, one word makes your whole world, I mean, spin. What am I saying here? The blessing of the Lord can't be stopped. Say that with me. The blessing of the Lord cannot be stopped. It is God's word. God spoke it. I believe it. I receive it. Can you imagine if that was your declaration every day? I usually add my own phrase, and that settles it. In other words, when I come to God, I'm no longer asking God give me. There may be a time for that in, in the future. But how about I begin to say, God, I receive. I receive your forgiveness today. I receive your healing power t- today. God, I receive your grace today. And what does that begin to do to us? We begin to be gracious to people that we would least want to be gracious to. We begin to change the inside of us by words that come out of us. Andrew Womack put it this way, it's not the outward prosperity a believer most desires and values. It's so prosperity he longs for. Because things are not the blessing, but a result. Charles Spudgeon put it this way, we must not always estimate the fulfillment of a promise by sense knowledge. Even though we know our interest in the promise, we are often troubled that sight sees the reverse of what the promise foretells. Because the blessing of the Lord prevents problems and sustains our faith. My faith is strong because I have a covenant with the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on that cross. I'm firmly planted that when the storms of life, they come, I'm not moved. Bill Winston tells a story. He was working at IBM in the early years of his ministry where IBM was, they were going through a tough season. And his manager got all the team in his office, and then he said, you know what, guys? I don't know if we're going to be able to keep up, but we're losing sales really bad. Bill Winston stands up in the meeting. He says, boss, I'm going to sell double today. Actually, not double. I'm going to sell triple. Everybody in the room is like, what do you mean? We don't see that. He said, I am a son of the covenant. He's in a, a place where science rules, and they're saying, I'm a, I'm a child of the covenant. Nobody believes him. He calls his sister. He's like, I just told my boss that I'm going to sell enough produce for everybody on the staff. They don't even have to sell. His sister is like, I don't think you did a a good thing. (laughs) I don't know how long you're going to have that job. 
And Big Winston is like, watch, watch the blessing go to work. I mean, the story ends, he sold enough produce in the next two days to cover more than 20 salespeople who were working for BMI. One person, IBM, sorry. Sold enough that other salesmen did not have to sell that week. Is that the kind of God you want to serve? I'll tell you another story. I'll tell you another story. I was, I was here and my wife and I decided to sew a car because we needed a, a car and the one I had wasn't really working well. And so we decided to sew a car. Uh, but I remember telling God, wherever I'm going to go get the car, I want you to give me a word for them. So I started to pr- praying for, for the place I was going to get the car. I was thanking God, thank you, and I pray that you're walking in the person who's going to sell it to me or give it to me, whatever way it comes, but let, the, let them be quick to respond. And we give the car away like on a Saturday. The next week on Thursday, we go to the dealership, and you know how everything goes. I'm sitting there in front of the salesman. After we finish everything, I told him, I said, I have a word for you. You're going to sell double the amount of cars this month than you've ever sold before. And then we leave. He didn't even take it. I mean, that salesperson attends this church, by the way. (laughs) So we get our car. Weeks go by. He comes in one Sunday morning. He says, I need to talk to David today. I'm like, what's going on? So Pastor Ken comes, gets me, and brings me out. And I meet him. He has his family in front of him. He has, I mean, he's like, Dave, this is my wife. These are my kids. Remember the word you said at my desk in the office? I said, I don't remember. (laughs) All I remember was something about you selling cars. And he said, I'll remind you. You said I would sell double this month. That was last month, by the way. And then I said, that's what I said. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he said, wait a minute. I got sick half the month. I didn't even work. I was at home bedridden. And he said the day that he was able to go in the office, he sold 26 cars in two days. He said it has been the highest sales he's ever done ever in two days. What I'm talking about is the power of the blessing. Now, I, I know what gets in the way because I know what gets in my way most of the time. There's three th- things I want to describe as I'm close to closing. That's my first closing. That's how you know I'm an African preacher. So you, about, about five of those, I'll be done. Okay. Um, just know that living the blessed life is directly proportional to your faith. The covenant is the foundation that you're standing on, which is Christ. Whatever is in Christ is growing into you. And you begin to produce fruit. But the greatest challenge is these three kinds of faith, as, as I like to teach them, E.W. Kenyon talks about them, human faith. And by this I mean mental ascent, knowledge rooted in, in research and explicables. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I better, I better say this. The story that I just told you about the car salesman actually started more than three months ago. My wife had on the vision board the exact car and had written underneath, whoever sells it to us is going to get a big blessing from the Lord. 
And that's what I woke up every morning looking at. It was right at the bottom side of the bed. I just needed to throw that because the Holy Spirit reminded me. And so you have this human faith, which is like mental ascent, knowledge rooted in research. And you want to explain everything. They said my baby is going to be born with autism and all of these things. And now I'm preparing all of these things in my way. And you begin to, to soak stuff in. And then there's another one like natural law. Gravity always wins. I'm going to fall through the ground. You have sense knowledge. You're always under submission to something. And then there's spiritual faith, which is revelation by the Spirit of God in the Word of God, taught by the Word of God. I want to emphasize that word. All the other two kinds of faith, human faith and natural faith, you're being taught by either an expert or you're learning from a law that somebody discovered. Spiritual faith you are being taught by God himself. Did God create the natural laws? Did God walk on water too? So how, how do these things come t- together to where that I can stop believing things that sometimes go beyond the natural law, and how can I begin to make the law work for me? This is the actual definition of the blessing, because a person who doesn't know God can get wealthy. That means a person who knows God can use the same laws the ungodly person uses and gets enough favor in his life, pressed together and running over, because the blessing of the Lord adds no toil. So what takes the other person so much headache, so many hours, so many sleepless nights to do, same laws, you apply them and you are getting sleep, you're getting rest, and you're fresh for every new day because there's no mountain big enough for your God. You're going in as a God sent, and you're coming out as a vector. The blessing like a seed is wired with the potential to sustain its fruit and stand storms. It's defined by the, roots, by, the roots, by the root system. In other words, say this with me. God has wired in me. Say it really like you mean it. God has wired in me. Wherever, what it takes to produce beyond what I can think. according to the power that he has wired in me. I have about a minute and a half to go back and break down the rest of, of someone. <laughs> Man, this may be like a four-week series. Um, I want to walk through it just in, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell for you. It says in verse 3 that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. You shall be like a tree. What makes you to be like a tree planted by the waters? Because you are planted in the word of God, in the covenant. Your covenant relationship with God is like you have been planted by the streams of living water. And then it goes on to say, remember, in the natural, the leaves do fall off. But what breaks that natural law now? The covenant of the word of God that's in your life, that sometimes people are wondering, you should be in pain. You say, I do have pain. 
but it ain't gonna last. It ain't part of his contract. The covenant I have with my father is greater than whatever I can go through that this world puts onto me. In other words, I have been wired with the same potential that Christ has. Therefore, walking to walk in the, in the counsel of the ungodly is, is not even about walking in religion. To walk in the counsel of the ungodly is to walk in the counsel of human faith. It's have, I, have, I, have, I have done all of these things. In other words, David is saying, if you're a blessed man, the counsel you need is from God's covenant, not from people who trust in their knowledge. If you're... When you stand, and the Bible says in Ephesians 6, after all, do stand. When you stand, you stand well backed up with the cross of Christ, not the sinners. And here the word sinner doesn't mean people God hates. If you read the Gospels, you see Jesus would call the Pharisees the sinners and call the other people, the sinners called them publicans. They were the ostracized. They didn't qualify to be... Near God. So what David is saying here is people who appear to, to, live li- to live rightly and shining in the eternal show of works. Because I got a car and I got a nice house, I'm so blessed, therefore, blah, 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 blah. And to sit with the scoffers is to say I'm going to sit with atheists. I'm going to sit with people who think they got it all. I'm going to sit with the top philosophers. I'm going to sit with the highest opinion in the world. And God has said, he always says, when you walk into a room, take the most back seat. Because it's better for you to be held on the hand and brought forward to your seat than to assume the greatest seat in the room and be taken all the way to the back. There's no amount of philosophy that can change our lives. I want to finish with a, with a, a medieval story. Another one of those. Again, this is definitely Eastern. There was, a, there was a farmer who had horses. And he had a son. And something happened and the horses left the farm. The neighbor knew this farmer as the most blessed. In the market, he would sell the greatest things. His horses were known for the shows in town. And so one time the horses left and they were gone. And so the neighbor comes and says, man, what I thought was a blessing to you has turned into a curse. Look how displaced you are. Look how lost you are. How are you going to make a living now? Your horses were everything to you. They were close to your son. It brought unity between you and your, and your family. And now they are gone. Now you have a curse. And so the son is walking in the wild. And he finds these wild horses somewhere in the middle of the forest. And he goes calls his dad. I know we lost the good ones. But here's wild horses. They just need to be tamed. And the father's like, bring them in. And so they bring these wild horses back to their barn. And they start walking with them. The neighbor comes back and says, you know what I thought was a curse? is actually now a blessing because you got more horses than you lost. You just have to train them. And so something else happened. Where the son is training the horses and trying to break them, one horse kicks him in the leg and breaks his leg. 
So the neighbor comes back and says, what I thought was a blessing is now a curse. You see, now you've got to deal with the, not just the horses, but now you've got to deal with your son. Now you have no help. And a few weeks later, the army comes in and they're drafting all of the boys to join the army. And they go to the neighbor's house, they take all his sons, and they come to the farmer's house and they don't take the boy. And the farmer comes back and says, oh, what I thought was a blessing, what I thought was a curse, sorry, it was actually a blessing. They took my son and yours wasn't taken. And so after this much moment that was nugging to this man, he says, wait a minute, who are you to determine what is blessing and what is curse? And then he said something that was what he stood on there. He said, out of my mouth will never, ever come a word that goes against what I believe and what the word of God says. He saw everything that was happening, not as a curse, as an opportunity to express his gratitude. And that's why I like what Pastor said this morning. <laughs> gratitude gives faith, and faith works with gratitude. So if you're in this room and you're going through something I can't name, you're going through some stuff and you're saying, God, I need you to manifest not just the fruit, but I want to get to know this covenant relationship that you have made available to me. You're in this room, you're watching us online, you're in your living room, you're wondering, David, I don't understand what you're talking about, but I want to understand this covenant blessing. I want to understand this thing that Abraham could stand and say, you know what, I don't doubt. They said he, in the book of Romans, says there was no doubt in his life because he believed he was accounted for righteousness. David, I want to encounter that. If you don't mind, close your eyes for a moment. Bow your, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for what you're doing in this room. I thank you for what you're doing in the rooms of those who are watching us online right now, deep within their hearts. Those that have been believing for a long time, I thank you that your word says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that raises us against us, you shall judge. Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive your salvation. I receive your Son, Jesus Christ. I receive your forgiveness. I walk in forgiveness. I receive your peace. I walk in peace. I'm family planted in the grip of your hands. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you taken my sin away from me. Your ways are higher than my ways. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Into your hands I commit my spirit. 
thank you, Father. Amen.